Poetry Night rings through. So, uh, Danny Canham, everyone. Um, hi. Uh, so, as has been mentioned, I put together a chapbook. It's called The Prostate Poems. They're on sale at the back table. Um, they're exactly what they sound like. They're poems about prostates. Um, they're all very short, uh, two to six lines, and I just kind of collected them, and there are 71... I, I did Roman numerals, so I, I'm trying to, like, decipher that off the top of my head. But, yeah, I think 71 in the booklet. Um, and there's two versions. There's this one, and then there's the ones that have, like, handmade paper, recycled paper covers that are a little bit more expensive. So, yeah, you can get those the break if you want. Yeah. Um, but this first piece is called Gentrified. This is a body gentrified, so immersed in whiteness that it forgot it had roots until puberty started blooming. There are hints of lavender beneath this skin. My true colors aren't something so readily visible as melanin. This is a body recognized. Though transplanted more times than recommended, this body is not an invasive species and leaves only in my wake. So chopped and pruned, I'm mobile, with years beyond physical ages compacted into one individual. The concentric rings span continents and oceans, decades and seasons. This is a body inscribed. These are memories, or these memories are written, are histories written by people like me, written for people like me. So we will never forget. You cannot ascribe modern constructions of queerness onto historical figures. Though David and Jonathan may have loved each other more than Achilles and Patroclus, to call either pair homosexual is an anachronism. It wasn't until the 19th century that Sappho's verse made Lesbos into lesbian, when Columbus and Cortes and Verrazano and Pizarro invaded this continent with the express interest of claiming it for their kings, they divided us in two, but homogenized us into one. This is a body multiplied. We have always existed in more shapes and colors than those currently available at H&M. When the homeless and dispossessed, the teens and queens of underground escapism fought back against police invasion, we called it a riot. The white knight in no shining armor rioted against a Twinkie defense and was assassinated from the biopics of martyred men. This era ended when an epidemic began. This is a body divided. Our more recent history proves that we are still invisible. What social prism can split wavelengths so all frequencies can shine upon the wall? Our alphabet soup spits truths, letters sticking like acronyms when those who claim to represent us alienate and marginalize our ranks. We are in a civil war. Do your good demonizing our destruction abroad, but know the veil of newlywed victories is too sheer to hide our destruction here. We cannot condemn foreign abuses while letting our largest advocates throw our most vulnerable under the bus of equality, proving once again the meaning of civilized society. This is a body complicit. Though my race is a question, my queerness an oppression, we are stereotyped as Hermes of the hip. Where we go, this culture follows. Where queers flourish in isolation, making havens to escape the wonder bread of stifling white-collar heteronormativity, we plant our rainbow flags on claimed land. 
This is a body resisting. Though these words claim a history that both is and isn't mine, I come from a long lineage of thieves, and these words are me finally attempting to give back. Um, this next one I wrote because I volunteer at the hospital down in Mount Vernon every Monday. Most every Monday. I missed my bus this morning, so I didn't make it down. Um, and would always walk past this little, like, garden plot that started in the spring, and then as the year and summer progressed, just kind of got more and more unkempt and taken over. And I started writing this. I named it Occupied Edenic, or the Arab Spring. The garden, once well tended and new, stands overgrown with blackberries. The corn and tomatoes slowly choked from lack of sunlight ever since the tree that stood in the center was cut down. Bees haven't visited here since the milk and honey fragrance of flowers was replaced with petrochemical fumes. Only the stubborn and the faithful remain. Wildflowers continue to sprout despite weed-pulling drones leaving craters like pockmarks in their wake. But the earth holds promise of rebellion. Mountains made low give rise to trembling, fragile flourishings. It's time to move mountains. Time to uproot rocks and risk the prickling fury of blackberries, for even their fruit can taste sweet when civilized by diasporic cultivations, and even blood cannot salt the earth forever. This one I actually posted on Bellingham Misconnections once, just for the fun of it. I got one response from someone who was just like, you know, I, this very clearly isn't directed at me, but I got to appreciate like your play with the words, and it'll be fairly evident fairly quick. It's called Linguist Boy. Linguist Boy. I would forgive you your bilabial trills if you would do the math and make them quadrilabial. Would you, for me, cut down that Indo-European tree so we can keep warm in its ashes? Linguist boy, save some sibilance for my ears in the dark, and maybe I'll teach you the anatomy I've been learning. See, that fricative is begging me to stop, but you left it unvoiced and it got swallowed in the laryngeal folds. Linguist boy, I want to explore that interdental space and touch your alveolar ridge with my tongue. The topography of your body is a morphology I want to learn to read, but the phonetics contain sounds I've never heard before. Here's a clause. Let's draw a tree. Linguist boy. That's a noun phrase with embedded adjective phrase. Linguist describing boy. Warm up my bed. I admit the verb phrase suffers some lexical ambiguity. Do I mean warm as in heat or warm as in friction? Between all those parts you linguists ignore. We can blend our bodies like two free morphemes to make something new. Linguist boy, do you consider boyfriend to be monomorphemic? Or are we two free morphemes unbound by labels and only loosely connected by word order? These looks and smiles we share have a semantics of attraction, but the meaning gets lost in a convoluted syntax of time and space. Linguist boy, have I said too much? I don't want this to be the false etymology of a relationship, but maybe you can pause and analyze my language variation. <laughs> That's our, that's our donation jar. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to drop some money in it, go ahead. Uh, next I'm going to be reading, uh, my, a few. Yeah, we'll say a few from the prostate poems. Uh, cause they're short. Um, 
I'll just start with the first two and go from there. Uh, number one, O spot of pleasure, hidden from view between twin buns of steel, teach men your secrets. Two, two rings stand sentry before the passageway of the prince, relaxing only to grant entrance to the ambassador of a foreign body. Uh, four, this one's a haiku. Internal walnut, only light stroking pressure, clipped fingernails, please. Um, <laughs> seven, this pulsing thief of reason, entranced by the crown jewels, forgets what he's carrying and drops a bag of pearls. <laughs> uh, let's see, I'll do one more, one of the later ones, how about, um, two more, two more, okay, two more, um, Three, I'll make it three more. Number 36. Excuse me if I've romanticized this tiny bundle of flesh. Number 37. Actually, scratch that last one. I'll romanticize the fuck into it. Delicately and with purpose. Uh, number 41. Waves like stardust spit by solar undulations rock this body from base chakra boundaries. That was the prostate poems. If you'd like to read the rest, they're available in Mac. <laughs> um, this next one is called Montage. The camera cuts between shots of us, with some catchy pop song playing in the background, taking walks together under the same umbrella, accidentally throwing slugs at trees, playing poo sticks in the park. If life were a romantic comedy, this would be the moment we kiss. This would be the montage that signifies we're falling in love. Except this is not a romantic comedy, and we are not in love. And that's okay, because loving is not the same thing as being in love. And we don't need anybody to dictate the path we take, walking through the park, under the same umbrella, finding new bridges to throw sticks off of. Uh, for my next poem... I would like to borrow the voice of one of our esteemed Poetry Night members <clears throat> to read it for me, Boris. <laughs> so I'm going to have him read it because I feel like his voice fits it very well. Well, thank you, Danny, for asking me to read in. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not going to pantomime any of this. No, 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 no. Not this one. No, she's. Uh, it's so tempting to start off like the the, uh, the those Calvin stickers on the back of trucks. It, this is called "Ode on the Act of Pissing." Piss with the vigor of youth, and let your let fly your liquid anger. Let your stream flow with satisfied sighs, breaking the fast full pressure of overnight inflation. Oh, gentle release. Seek only the porcelain godhead and spray not the tiled floors, for custodial ministrations decry this dried outrage. Your stink belies asparagine consumptions, your amber color dehydration. Such is the balance of renal secretion, forever harmonized by electrolyte, homeostasis, and nephronic function. Treat yourself of the water of life, and it shall reward you justly. Thank you. <laughs>
I told you, Boris's voice would be great for that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so if you can't tell, I kind of like anatomy. I studied kinesiology up at Western, so that's why I kind of try to fit that into a lot of them. Uh, so before I read this next one, I want to give you a quick like phys physiology lesson because it kind of is in the same vein, so to speak. <laughs> um, so among other function, among the other more obvious functions, your kidney also produces produces this hormone called erythropoietin. Uh, which, uh, if you translate it, it's also called hematopoietin. It is the hormone that controls uh, red blood cell formation, um, which kind of doesn't make sense at first, but since your kidneys are like the main filtration system of your blood, they get to see like all the red blood cells traveling through your body, so your kidneys know like when you need more red blood cells and stuff. So this one is called erythropoietic. And it's for Ethan. Iron forged in marrow turns red and tastes of copper. Like stardust pumped at 1.6 million miles per hour, which is the general range of speed of stardust shot from a solar flare. It goes faster if your heart is beating, is racing. This poem is not done gestating. Despite occupying my mind for months, it refuses to take the shape planned for it. Renal awakening pushes crimson carriers to toil, delivering oxidant interlopers to me metabolic shackles for the crime of breaths stolen. If my, harps, if my heart skips a beat, it's not for want of trying. I've swallowed these words more times than I care to count, trying to redigest them into something worth saying. Pulled along by plasma currents, erythropoietin dances to sinoatrial rhythms, a genesis song, its sea shanty. Hematogenesis. This is a performative act of creation, word making. For, for, for in the beginning there was, there were only materials, and from them came the word. Primordial soup flows in our veins. All the proteins and sugars and lipids of life melted together and warmed by the little fires of captured sunlight. My blood is red, and my heart is still beating. This is how I know I am alive, creating myself, creating for you. Uh, so this last spring, I had the pleasure of taking part in an event on campus called The Queer Experience. It's kind of a memoir-style event, some people know it, uh, that is for queer folks to express their own stories. Um, and this is my piece from that, and it's called Letters to Boys I've Kissed. Some kisses are meant to be. Some kisses aren't. All kisses have something you can learn from them. Dear DJ, at 19, you're my first kiss in the muffled darkness of an od oddly shaped dorm room. Despite ending like a supernova, it wasn't in the stars. Speeding photons, we collided and were blinded. Such is the nature of firsts. Our Wi-Fi suffered a spotty connection, streaming in different frequencies until my need for closure smothered your radio silence. I lost inertia in the fallout but gained an awareness of speed. Some kisses happen too soon. Dear Hatter, you were a tease, but it appeased and frustrated the part of me that wanted. I could never be satisfied with a sexuality not interested in me. We were never trying to be anything more. 
So while I never touched your board, I still felt like I was losing the game. While I knew I would always roll high and avoid falling into this trap, that doesn't mean I didn't toe the edge with my back against the wall. Still, I didn't win, and you lost your hat, but we both escaped Wonderland into something better. Some kisses are never enough. Dear Letters He drew a circle to shut me out. Heretic, rebel, a thing to flout. But love and I had the wit to win. We drew a circle and took him in. You gave me this poem by Edward Markham through postal meditations when it was sitting in a circle that I fell in love with you. Your spilled heart called to mine and said, let us learn from each other. You showed your truth, so I drew a circle to take it in. Build, it transcended more than romance and sex and friendship. Some kisses are a spiritual experience. Dear Donuts, we fucked for nine months. Our kisses were foreplay, and Glee was only ever an excuse to be in the same room. Eventually, there was friendship between booty calls and donuts for breakfast the following morning. Sometimes I still crave donuts the morning after. No regrets, but never again. Some kisses are just a part of sex. Dear Fairy Slut Mother, Pumpkins and curfews were never your foreplay, but damn could you make me look good in a dress. The glass slipper was usually filled with vodka, and the kisses just as sloppy as they sound. We were never a fairy tale, and our happily ever after constituted acceptance of each other's faults. Sitting in the ashes after the party died, I realized you weren't Prince Charming. You were my fairy slutmother. And like any good fairy, you disappeared in a shower of bubbles and well wishes. Some kisses are best reserved for the stroke of midnight. Dear Walgreens, when, rather than addressing me by my name, you, refer you called me D, I should have known. I was a pretty little boy toy, your other, other man. You weren't ashamed to get me drunk and dare me to dance. I'm now ashamed to say I was all too willing to perform. You feigned guilt when I told you I knew about your long-distance boyfriend, my friend, and said you were weak. I knew that relationship would fail, but I never expected the callous disgust with which you ended things after he caught an STI from someone else after you opened up your relationship. He was damaged goods to you, easily replaced, ready for you to throw out. I stopped talking to you long before I fell off whatever moral pedestal kept you from throwing me out too. Some kisses are selfish. Dear Noodle, we met at a mutual friend's birthday when I saved you from the drunken pair of scissors that left you a zombie. You, your kisses were kisses of ownership and possession, providing the illusion of marked territory so I could lose myself in the dance. I wasn't yours, but fueled by infatuation, I wanted to be. It's not being clingy to ask for definitions. It's good communication skills. I wasn't asking you to be my boyfriend. I was asking you to tell me to my face you wouldn't be. Some kisses are asking for closure. Dear Glitter, you weren't ready. You were barely out of the closet, but I was willing to wait. I was one of the few things you remembered that first night, and I think I made you nervous with my confidence, with the brazen explosion of bright colors you hadn't yet seen in yourself. When you asked where we were going, I'm not surprised that the answer turned out to be in opposite directions. A month later, you texted me to tell me you weren't going to be romantic with me anymore. I was hurt because it always hurts, and I was disappointed because I knew this was code for no friendship and no sex, but I was okay with it because I appreciated your directness. Some kisses leave you with more than just glitter on your face. Dear Ethan,
You blushed when I brought you a flower on our first date, and it felt inevitable when Credence Clearwater Revival and a beanbag chair on the rug really brought us together. Some kisses are the first of many. When you flew across the Pacific to teach English to kindergartners, I didn't get to kiss you at the airport. Instead, I got weekly Skype dates planned such that we were eating breakfast and dinner at the same time. Some kisses have to be blown really hard to reach their destination. <laughs> You're upset because I've snapped at you, letting my anger turn me petty with frustration. Some kisses say I'm sorry. You were in the audience the first time I read this. Some kisses were thank yous for supporting me through this process. Some kisses are I love yous. Some kisses are not. All kisses have something you can learn from them. Thank you. <laughs> Craig? Aww. Keep it going for Danny. Yes.